Good afternoon and welcome to Forest Fires. My name is John Clark. In the very first episode of Forest Fires, we discussed that treating sobriety as a destination is dangerous because eventually you get to that predetermined place and you may be inclined to pick back up. That was my first podcast. When I recorded that, I had no idea what I was doing. Honestly, I still don't really know what I'm doing. It wasn't rehearsed, it wasn't written out, and it wasn't perfect. But it was real, and it was honest. Of all the podcasts that I've done since then, that one seems to be the one that people have connected with the most. Why? Well, I can only assume the answer, but my guess is that many people, like me, started getting sober for all the wrong reasons. They wanted to improve their health or their relationships, their finances or their legal status, but they didn't really want to be sober. And that's okay. You don't have to have good reasons to get sober, but I can assure you that you better damn well have a good reason to stay sober, otherwise it won't last. The reasons to get sober are as varied as the people that fill the 12-step rooms. If our reason for being sober is conditioned upon a job, a relationship, or a legal situation, what happens when that situation improves or the reason disappears? The clear answer is that our motivation to maintain a sober life goes away with it. In this episode of Forest Fires, we are going to expand a bit upon that original concept. We're going to be talking about the process of recovery. No, I'm not talking about all the things that we have to do day to day to stay sober, but rather the process of living life in recovery. As stated, recovery is a process. It's not just removing the drugs and alcohol from your life either. Recovery is about growth. It's about learning, and it's about healing. Benjamin Franklin famously said that when you're finished changing, you're finished. Many of us believe that we are what we are that we have reached a certain age where we simply cannot change, that we have matured and grown into what we are, and that isn't going to change. At 38 years old, I felt that way. In fact, I told people I wasn't going to change, and I did everything in my power to avoid it. For me, though, when I said I wasn't going to change, it wasn't because I didn't realize that changes needed to be made, but rather that change scared me. I knew that I had problems, and I knew that I had to change directions but I didn't know how. I'd been wearing a mask for so long, I had no idea who I really was. What if the changed version of me was worse than who I already was? That possibility scared me more than anything. With the benefit of six years of hindsight, I can tell you that my fears were unwarranted and that I was simply wrong. I was wrong about so many things that had to do with myself and about recovery, and today I'm grateful for that. I put a lot of stock in old phrases like, you can't teach an old dog new tricks, or a tiger can't change his stripes. Experience has shown me that those phrases are nonsense, and they are used by lazy people to justify their continued bad behavior. At 38, I was nowhere done changing, and today, at 45, I'm honestly no closer than I was back then, and I'm okay with that. The world that we live in is defined by change. It is in a constant state of birth, death, evolution, transformation, and growth. From the grass that we walk upon to the clouds that we see, nothing stays the same, at least not for very long.
Why then do we delude ourselves into believing that we can resist change? Or better yet, that we aren't capable of change? Are we not a part of the same natural world that surrounds us? In nature, change happens gradually in most cases. And for those of us in the recovery community, change happens in that same way. Change simply means that we are becoming different, and for me, that was a good thing. In Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Alice said, It's no use to go back to yesterday, because I was a different person then. And so are we all. The person that awoke this morning in your bed is different than the one that did so yesterday. As difficult and as painful as it can be, change is healthy. Staying the same leads to complacency, and complacency can lead me back to a drink or a drug very quickly. Remember, nothing grows in a comfort zone. At the end of my active addiction, I wasn't happy with my life, but my life was predictable. I had fallen into a slow death of a comfort zone. Like I said, I knew there were parts of my life that were toxic, but I didn't know what to do or how to remove them. When I first started upon this recovery journey, I had no idea how much change would take place or how different my life would be just six short years later. The word recovery has a lot of different meanings and uses in the English language. For the purposes of this podcast, we're going to be talking about recovery as it pertains to overcoming addiction and alcohol abuse. Many people look at recovery as simply the abstinence from certain substances. And while that is part of it, it's a limited and short-sighted perspective. The U.S. Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration has defined recovery from both substance use disorders and mental disorders as, quote, a process of change through which individuals improve their health and wellness, live a self-directed life, and strive to reach their full potential, end quote. That's a very academic and precise definition, but what does it really mean? There is no perfect definition of recovery, because each of us have nuances and differences in our own recovery program. What works for one of us may not work for another. For me, recovery meant changing everything about my day-to-day life so that I could finally live my life instead of simply surviving it. Now, don't let me mislead you. This recovery journey has been painful at times. There have been more days than I can count that I was scared, angry, and confused. But through it all, it is and has been a beautiful journey. To the average person that has never had to deal with addiction, The process of recovery probably seems pretty simple. Just stop drinking and doing drugs and just be a better person, right? If only it were that easy. It's said that the 12-step program is a simple program for complicated people, and I believe that's true. We as alcoholics and addicts have the profound ability to complicate the simplistic and to simplify the complex. We get so focused on everything that we need to do that we fail to remember that all we are required to do is take one step at a time. At the base of all recovery is change. You have to make a conscious decision that the choices that you've been making are no longer beneficial to you. And again, that sounds simple enough. But for anyone that has gone through any form of addiction or recovery, change is anything but easy. Sobriety and recovery are about facing the unknown. This program asks that we step into the deepest and darkest parts of our personality and try and understand why it exists, and then how to change it. Any change that risks the unfamiliar or the unknown is necessarily going to be hard. 
Any life-changing process, such as recovery, requires us to push past our self-constructed walls and get out of our own comfort zones. As hard as it can be for anyone stuck in a vicious circle of active addiction to stop using alcohol or drugs, it's much more formidable to actually stay stopped for a long period of time. As I've said, recovery from alcoholism and or addiction is a process. In my experience, the recovery journey has two distinct parts. First, we must stop and abstain from using the substance. In other words, we have to stop consuming drugs or alcohol. I don't ever mean to trivialize any portion of the recovery process, but the detox phase, the quitting phase, that's honestly the easiest part. For most of us, the physical detox takes just days or weeks, but the rest of the recovery journey takes a lifetime. After the physical aspects of sobriety, then we have to learn and practice the skills necessary to live a healthy and complete life. This second element is a lifelong journey of trial and error and success and failure. These two foundational pillars of sustainable recovery reinforce each other though. Abstinence creates opportunities to build the skills that facilitate growth and healing. This isn't possible during the chaos of active addiction. Conversely, learning and practicing these new skills is instrumental to sustained and continuing abstinence. One simply cannot succeed without the other. I have watched countless people remove the substances and practice abstinence, but not change their day-to-day -day habits. Not surprisingly, it didn't take long before the substances returned to their life. Likewise, I've watched people work on their spirituality and their feelings, but continue to drink or use, and guess what? All of that spiritual growth and emotional healing was eventually lost in a haze of poor choices associated with their drug of choice. A real and sustainable recovery allows us to participate in daily activities that are healthy and meaningful to us. We can begin or return to activities that match our needs, our interests, and our values, rather than our cravings. Likewise, recovery helps us to make changes to how we relate to our own thoughts and our emotions. We challenge ourselves to stop running from the uncomfortable and painful emotions that we feel, and instead, we learn to face them and to deal with them as they arise. In a healthy recovery, we begin to discover and develop parts of ourselves that we have been unaware of, and we rediscover parts of ourselves that were buried beneath the carnage of our disease. Simply speaking, in a real and healthy recovery, we develop new patterns of living, new life skills, and new coping mechanisms. We become more aware and more willing to move forward toward mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual balance. For the millions of people that have obtained any degree of meaningful recovery, each has taken an individual journey. There are countless pathways to sustainable recovery, and I'm not here to suggest that one way is better than the next. With that being said, science and addiction medicine has long determined that there are five recognizable stages of change in regards to addiction. Now, as I said earlier, addiction and recovery are personal, so not everyone follows these stages in a straight line. Regardless, understanding these stages can help you better understand your own disease, and likewise help you to plot your recovery journey. The five stages of addiction recovery are pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and maintenance. In the pre-contemplation stage, we usually aren't yet ready to fully admit that we have a problem. 
When we are approached about our drinking or drug use, we can become defensive and are quite capable of coming up with justifications and defenses for our actions. At this early stage, we may lack personal insight into the full extent and negative impact of our drug and alcohol use, and we continue to focus upon the perceived positive experiences that come with our use. Many people get stuck in this first stage of change because they lack information, perhaps resources, or even a full understanding of addiction as a whole. Likewise, others get stuck here because they've tried and failed to get sober time and time again, and their disappointment, guilt, and shame handcuff them to their disease. For many people that I have met in this stage, they are able to appreciate that addiction recovery is a good thing, but for whatever reason, they don't believe that it will work for them. The second stage of change is contemplation. In this stage, we begin to acknowledge our problems, and we know that we need to change, just not right now. Perhaps we've had some clean time and we know what life can be without drugs and alcohol, but maybe we've relapsed. We know that we need to get sober, and we make plans to. Perhaps it's after this next drink, or this next weekend, this next holiday, or this next life event. In this stage, we are aware of the negative impacts of our using, but we are likewise reminded of all of the perceived benefits. The danger of this phase is that the idealized version of the past and our deluded ideas about how much fun drinking and using is can get us stuck or even push us backwards. This is a critical stage in the process because for some of us, it's the first time that we've even been willing to listen to options or even consider receiving help. The third stage is the preparation stage. In this stage, we know we have a problem, and we know it won't be long before something bad happens. Perhaps we've overdosed, or we've been hospitalized, or perhaps we've even faced financial or legal problems. All the not-yets are beginning to happen, and we know that we have to stop the train before it runs out of control. At this stage, we may have even started taking some steps to change things, like going to a 12-step meeting here and there, talking to a counselor, looking into treatment, or talking to close family members and friends. In this stage, we are still trying to fix our problems ourselves. We may have done some things, but we are still in control. We want to control our addiction, we want to control our recovery, and we definitely want to control the opinion that other people have about us. At this stage, we white-knuckle it a lot meaning we will ourselves into staying abstinent from drugs and alcohol for a few days, a week, or even months. However, because this is based upon personal willpower and it's not built upon a solid foundation of recovery, the chances of relapse are great. When a relapse happens at this stage, many people find themselves all the way back at the first stage, again justifying that they don't really have a problem. The fourth stage is the action stage. This is the stage where the proverbial rubber meets the road. We have taken all of our plans and ideas and we've committed to make a change. Perhaps we are in a treatment facility or we've actively engaged in a 12-step community or we've even started working the steps. The point is, this stage is not defined by simple abstinence but rather by a commitment to self-care and better self-understanding. The final stage of change is the maintenance stage. Now, this may sound like the easy part, but it's far from it. In this stage, we are taking what we have learned and we are using it on a day-to-day -day basis to try and avoid a relapse. 
It is essential in this stage that we continue to work not only on avoidance of drugs and alcohol, but on maintaining a healthy and spiritual lifestyle. Urges and cravings at this stage aren't as common or as severe as they once were, and this is both a good thing and a bad thing. It is good in that we don't have to constantly think about drugs and alcohol, but it's bad because we can begin to forget how bad our bottom really was. Remember, recovery isn't a one-size-fits-all process. While most of us in recovery tend to share common experiences, each of us are unique individuals. We all have different strengths and weaknesses, and we all will handle this process differently. Because of this, we cannot judge another person's recovery just because it doesn't look like ours. While we can't make another person fit a specific recovery mold, we can help to build and be a part of a supportive and uplifting recovery community. The stigmas and misinformation that surround addiction can be crippling to those just starting their recovery journey. Because of this, having a community of like-minded individuals that understand your struggles and that can celebrate your successes are essential. Research has consistently shown that individuals that are involved in supportive recovery communities are far more likely to maintain their recovery. While many of us have felt alone and isolated in our active addiction, a community of recovery can counteract this. In a solid recovery community, we can begin to find acceptance and we can begin to find a sense of belonging. For many of us, this is a feeling that we haven't had in a very long time, if ever. Most of you that are listening to this don't need to be reminded, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Addiction is a chronic, progressive, and fatal disease. Contrary to what you might read on social media, there is no cure for addiction. But it can be treated, and it can be managed through a daily program of recovery. This daily program of recovery allows us to live a long, healthy, and full life. Even without the added difficulty of addiction, life can be challenging. In our lives, we will face all kinds of obstacles and challenges. These events and happenings can bruise us and scar us and make us believe that we are broken. If we allow it to, life can beat us down. If you get nothing else from this podcast, please pay attention to this. You are not broken. Yes, you've been damaged, and you've been pushed to your absolute breaking point. But you are here, you are breathing, and you are alive. And there's a reason for that. Real, healthy, and sustainable recovery provides us a pathway to heal from the damage that has been inflicted upon us and to heal from the damage that we've caused ourselves. Through this process, we can become stronger and more authentic versions of ourselves. Regardless of what you have done or what has been done to you, recovery is possible, redemption is real, and hope is eternal. Thank you for tuning in to Forest Fires. Reach out and help another alcoholic or addict today. Remember that the journey of recovery is personal, but it's not one that can be done alone. Be the type of community member that you needed in your own early recovery. Continue to lift each other up and be a light in the darkness for those that are still struggling in the darkness of this disease. Reach out and ask for help and help those that seek the same. And, as always, stay reachable. Stay teachable and stay humble. Thank you.